I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. And you're listening to Grace and Race. Where we tackle race in light of God's grace. Hey, everybody. What to do? Welcome back. It is like, so right now, uh, we're recording this before it's coming out. I have no idea what the weather is like whenever you guys are listening to it. But right now, we've been snowed in for two days. And I just got to say, it's been pretty lovely. What do you think, Austin? Yeah, I just love spending time with you, spending time with the kids, just us being together and forced, kind of like nobody moving. So like the busyness does go down quite a bit. I have so many things that I need to be doing. January is just like a really busy month for me work-wise, which is one of the reasons we're recording these some of these podcasts so early. But um, yesterday, it was a snow day, and I had all of these plans of all of the stuff that I was going to get done. Um, I kind of like going into the new year, right? You've got all of these, you've got all of this new opportunity, clean slate, and I sat around literally all day watching TikTok videos on my phone. Um, so much so that last night when I went to bed, I just deleted the app because I was like, this was way too much. I, I need to just like hard cut myself off of this. I can confirm the <laughs> deleting of the app. It was so bad. But anyways. But also funny because we found, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, we, we're definitely like not we're, we're the older generation on tw- tiktok quote unquote according to a tiktok that i saw yesterday actually they said it was this tiktok that was like to all the older generation on tiktok aka people who were born in the mid 90s yeah <laughs> so bad so bad um anyways uh but i've actually been listening to a ton of podcasts i've been um enjoying kind of getting caught up. So anyways, we hope to be in your all's ears on days that maybe you're snowed in or not doing so much of other things. I started sending back out some emails to some people on our email list a couple weeks ago now. And so I really hope that if you're here from that list, that if you were reminded um, of this podcast. Thank you so much for coming and for joining us and for joining in on these conversations. We are really appreciative of you. And if you're not on our email list yet, um, I will I will let you guys know later in the episode how you can get on that list. So make sure that you're listening for that and join our list. That way you get notified of like different things that we're doing. Um, and then we're also going to be just kind of putting out feelers for like, hey, would this be an episode that you guys are interested in kind of stuff like that so yeah that's just like the best way to get notified directly of stuff that we're going to be doing on the podcast and new episodes that we have coming out all right so the podcast today we're going to be talking about a term um, that you may or may not have heard called tokenism so austin how would you define the word tokenism whenever it comes well i guess just like a general definition first yeah it's funny if y'all listen to our last one or maybe two ago <laughs> she asked me to define something we've disagreed with it with on the the, yeah with the de- so i don't know maybe we'll disagree but i think we i think we're on the same page for this one mm-hmm. basically being a token is having something that stands out from the normal it's usually a person, and in the context of race, 
if you are white and you have predominantly white friends or family or community or whatever, then you can have like a token black person or a token, you know, Asian friend or a token, right? You have basically someone who stands out, um, that's that's next to you close in proximity kind of close in your pocket right that you can pull out and say look i have this person they're my friend or uh, they're my fiance or they're my husband or they're my wife or they're my you know whatever kind of relational status you have with them you just kind of pull that out um, and use it as a mode of justification on why you feel the way you feel why you speak the way you speak the way you think the way you think all of that stuff and so um, is that is that fair is that what you would say mm-hmm. yeah and you were kind of starting to get into my next question already which is why and how can tokenism be a problem well yeah i don't want to sound too redundant but it's a problem because tokenism can really really help you ignore blind spots so there are blind spots, right? Where parts you don't see. Then when someone brings up, hey, here's something that you're missing, usually tokenism is a way to combat that, to kind of defend that. So instead of saying, man, you're right, I should think about that differently, or you're right, I shouldn't have said that, or you're right, I, I should I should research, I should feel a different way. You'll say, no, but I have a black friend. Hmm. No, but I have I have a Hispanic son-in-law. So like, no, I have I have this. Look look what I have. I have this token. You pull it out. I have this token. Look, see? And 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 they laughed when I said this. They thought it was funny. And she said that was she actually retweeted what I said. You start to justify through this token instead of thinking and processing how this could be hurting people at a large. Okay, so I have in my mind another example of tokenism, but I'm curious if this is how you would define it. Um, So would like, okay, in like a workplace, would having and hiring a black person and then using that person like in the front, like I guess putting that person in photos or putting that person out in public to show like, Hey, th- we we've got diversity. Would that also be considered tokenism? Yes. Uh you just talked about I think a different facet of tokenism or like for example, we kind of got on the same page last time. There's an umbrella. The umbrella's tokenism, right? But there's going to be different subpoints under that. So corporate speech or, you know, the the workforce, how does tokenism look in that? That's what you just said. I was talking about tokenism on a relational personal status, right? In a personal way Mm -hmm. Uh, you're talking about it through a corporate or job you know environment so yeah it can definitely look like that where tokenism gives the face to a specific group of people uh, but refuses to give that person or that group of people a voice Mm -hmm. oh okay that's really helpful because i think it just like highlights the point of racism isn't just is it's two-faced right it can be personal and it can be systemic um so you can have it in like your personal life and then you can have it in systems that you're a part of and like the way that we combat those things can look the same and they can also look different mm. would you agree with that I statement totally agree. i totally agree with that okay so now here i, I want to like 
I don't know, just press a little bit because this is something that I'm always scared of. So I'm, as somebody who like considers myself aware of racism, right? I think, I think, yeah, I would definitely consider myself aware of racism. Still have blind spots. I think we all do. Um, I have a tendency if I'm trying to learn or if I'm trying to um, make sure that everybody in my life doesn't all look the same, um, I would have a tendency to want to put like to want to have a black friend or if I were hiring, then I would want to bring someone in who is not white. Like I, I would want that representation there. So how, how does, like, how do we make that distinction? Like representation versus tokenism. So I think, are you talking about personally or professionally? Let's let's go both. Let's do personally first. So like, if I'm like, okay, I, I've been, if, if I'm not me, right. I'm like, okay, I've been listening to grace and race. I know that I need people in my life to speak into my life. Like, how do I like make sure that I'm trying, how do I become friends with black people without having a token black friend? How do I do that? So one, two, two components about tokenism is if you take the metaphor of a token, the token is something that you possess. It's in your pocket. And a token is treated as an inanimate object. It doesn't have a voice. And those are the two things that stick out to me. So if we're talking about personal, if you befriend a black person and you don't allow them the the respect to use their voice, not literally as in you're closing their mouth, but you're closing your heart, you're closing your ears, you're closing your mind. If you want them to basically be silent like a token, then that's that's how you know you're abusing it also too if you want to use have this token in your pocket if you want to possess meaning you will tell people about this quote-unquote black friend and say that you have this quote-unquote black friend for purposes that are going to make you look feel or seem better and when it comes to racial relations if you're avoiding those two things you're cutting a lot of the negative implications of tokenism. If you can just fight those two things, allow them to have a voice in your life, um, be respectful in that way, and then don't bring up to people about this black friend that you have, right? I mean, don't don't bring it up as in a way to justify what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your mind. And you and you know the difference. It's kind of it's really interesting, especially the Christians listening. You can read the Gospels and you start to think, man, those Pharisees, they better stop praying. God didn't say don't pray. He said how you should pray and how you shouldn't pray. Oh, man, the shoe up. I should stay away from fasting. I don't want to look religious. God never says stay away from fasting. He told you the way you shouldn't do it. The way that draws attention to you, the 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 way that it draws glory to you, where it's honor to you, praise to you. That's how you know you're abusing something. It's all for you. And we we don't as Christians, we, we, we don't have anything. We don't own anything as Christians. There's nothing that's ours. Nothing. Everything is Christ. 
Now, we might have it for a temporary moment in time, but we know, oh, yeah, we got to give this up. I mean, you'll hear a non-believer say it. You can't take a hearse. Uh, what, what is it? You can't have a U-Haul behind a hearse. Mm-hmm. I mean, non-believers say that. So they even recognize, yeah, you can't take this stuff with you. So it's just we got to have that humility and understand um, if we fight those two things, we're going to be in good shape. Now, I would say that's my same answer for professional. That's my same answer for professional. It's just going to look different because of the context, right? So instead of just for you, it's for your brand, right? I want to make my brand look non-racist. I want to make my brand look healthy racially. I want my brand, so I'm going to talk about and use this black employee I have. That's, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. And you can trick a lot of people from the outside, but once you're inside doing life with people, people are going to figure it out and it's going to be, it's going to end up being more, it's going to do more damage, not from the outside, but from the inside, it's going to, I could tell you that's not a racially healthy place. If you're building your brand on tokenism, I'm telling you right now, it's not a healthy place. It doesn't mean good things can't happen there. So don't trick yourself. What I'm saying is it's not healthy. Hmm. That's a good point. So, okay, here's another question about this. One way that I have kind of thought about tokenism in the last year that I feel like makes it even more complicated to not fall into this is that I could be wrong on this, so just tell me. But I feel like tokenism, of course, like could be used to justify racism, right? Like, Like, as you were saying, oh, I have a black friend and he thought that this joke was funny. Or I have a black friend and he didn't, he's not a fan of the Black Lives Matter movement. So, you know what I mean? Like, kind of using it that way. But I've definitely also seen kind of the opposite effect of using a friend or an employee or whatever to show off your anti-racism. So it's not just about justifying racism, but about like showing off your anti-racism. Does that feel problematic to you? Like, talk to me about that a little bit. Oof. You know, that's that's a group of people we don't really talk to a lot on our podcast, if we're being honest. But I think that. But it needs to be because (laughs) you don't want to get to that place where you're listening to all of these things and you're saying, (laughs) they ain't talking about me. Like, that's your first reaction. You know, it, it's you don't want to get to that point. Mm. And so I think you're right. I think for the social justice warriors out there, for the quote unquote woke crowd that might be white allies, you have to be careful, too, of doing the same thing just with different intentions. Mm. Like you, your intentions are totally different. We're not saying you're the same as the person who's standing up for the Confederate flag and saying right. that's a good thing. And, you know, it wasn't about race. It was about We're not talking about that group. We're talking about people who are trying to fight the good fight and they want to be seen as, again, glory to who? To you. Mm -hmm. Glory to me. I'm a good person. Glory to me. I fight racism. Glory to me. Glory to me. Glory to me. And I'm telling you right now, the the best lesson we can all learn in life is the glory was not meant to come to us. Mm -hmm. And we can't handle it, honestly. It goes to our head. It goes to our hearts ends up overtaking us we we are not strong enough to handle glory that's that was reserved for one and that's god and so when we start pumping the glory pumping the glory pumping the glory pumping the glory you have different intentions but you end up doing a very similar thing which is making this about you 
and your fight and your your moral compass. And I always feel this way thinking about Bernie Sanders because he 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 talks about March what marching with Martin Luther King Jr. all the time. And I don't say that in a like that's a negative thing, but he's always one that comes to my mind. It's like, man, I would love to talk. I wish I could have a conversation with him. You know, and if I heard him say something that was racially harmful to me or upset me or just didn't sit right with me, I just wonder what his answer would be, what his response would be off camera, behind closed doors. And maybe it's great. Maybe it's awesome. So I don't I don't want to sit here and condemn him or act like I'm higher than him. What I'm saying is he's someone who's very vocal of I did this. I've done this. I've been doing this since da, 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 da. And obviously he's not black. <clears throat> so. Ah, dang it, I'm rambling. Did I answer the question? No, I think that was really helpful, especially the, like, who are we putting glory on? I think that that's a really great point. And, like, one, Christians who are listening, like, we know the answer of who should we be putting glory on. But I think that one of the more, like, or just, like, a really helpful point in that is where are we pointing the attention? And whenever it's, when we're white and it's back onto ourselves, mm-hmm. like, what is that ultimately doing for this movement? And and I think that we can have, answer this for me, I think that we can have good intentions and still implement tokenism. Um, what does that look like? Like well-intentioned tokenism. Shoot. Honestly, well-intentioned tokenism is giving us things that we didn't ask for. I think that was one of the biggest things. It was almost like a little side movement that we started to see after George Floyd. Like all of these things started changing in restaurants and like changing in places and like commercials were like, no, we didn't ask. Like nobody asked for that. Now it doesn't mean it wasn't good. Some of it was, you know, but it's this idea of like, okay, it, it really good tokenism shifts to the white savior complex really, really quickly, really, really quickly. And as you know, you know, the white savior complex, there are two different types there, right? Uh, typically, there's two different sides. There's a side like, oh, man, I want to be the leader. I want to be the catalyst on why there's positive change. And then someone that thinks, oh, man, you can't do this on your own. I literally have to do this. Like, if I don't do this, no one else will. You know, kind of like that, that feeling, that kind of vibe. So I would say ugh, as far as intent, like intentional examples, I'm trying to think of something that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Here, I want to. I want you to pitch some first. I think. I think that'd be smart. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well-intentioned tokenism. Ah. I mean, it was really a question. It like, really it really is really a question as far because okay, for y'all who are listening on the other side of this microphone, sometimes I ask questions that I have answers to already, but I want to hear Austin's answer before I like spit mine out onto this. Um, and so, but this was genuinely a question, and I think. I think probably the answer, I mean, everybody else who's listening is probably like, I got 12 examples of this that I saw yesterday. Um, But I think that a lot of the times the answer is of like, what is an example of this? Um, Is maybe like, I don't know. I keep going back to the workplace. Like I keep going back to, I keep going back to, I guess, what you were saying about right after, um, right after George Floyd's death and whenever everything was going on in uh, early summer 2020, um, 
like how there were commercials and there were like oh, there were all of these things that were like out in the front but you had to ask the question of like all of this talk is good like we we get on here and we talk for an hour every week I and mean, we are not sitting here saying that talking about racism and anti-racism is bad but whenever it's not paired with action then it's not what it was not what was being asked for. And so I think that like whenever it's just like another example of using without like without any reason besides just to puff ourselves up. I think that that could be and, and I don't think that that's something that's as obvious. Like I don't think that that's something that we set out to do with our conscious. Um, but I think that it's something that's easy to happen. And I, that's where I see my well-intentioned tokenism coming in is whenever I'm really good at talking the talk, but I'm not so great at walking the walk. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like the more we talk about this, I'm like, this don't feel like tokenism. <laughs> like I, mm. I think, I think like, for example, tokenism, you know, what was interesting? The NBA's rhetoric after all this stuff went down. Because remember the NBA started to shift. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? So you started seeing like Black Lives Matter on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then you start seeing the shirts and the t-shirts and who was going to wear the t-shirt, who wasn't going to wear the t-shirt. Remember that kind of vibe? And there were there are organizations, predominantly white organizations, not the players, obviously, but um, the organizations, mm -hmm. right? If, for those who don't know, the NBA. Is it over 70% black? I forgot the numbers. Ah, yeah. So to find a white basketball team, like predominantly white basketball team, is so rare. <clears throat> so when I say organization, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the leadership, those who are putting the teams together, keeping it running, things of that nature. So if you look, a lot of the white, predominantly white teams, they allow, quote unquote, or help come up with, certain phrases that can be used on t-shirts or can be approved for on the courts. I think the NFL did something similar with the back of their helmets and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And that could be tokenism as far as it's going to inanimate objects, not just a person. Right. Right. I'm going to use this t-shirt to show, see, we're down for the cause. I'm going to use my court. See, we're down for the cause. I'm going to use my, coffee cup my mug you start tokenizing certain objects now and not just people and saying no 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 i'm not right look look at this look at this remember we said this remember we sang this remember the nfl did two national anthems mm -hmm. and that backfired like it was like what is going on here like what's happening like i really wanted to know who voted like we need the black national anthem <laughs> because people don't even know the history of the black national anthem and like i'm sure if you're Sorry, I'm just going to say it. If you're struggling with racism or if you're racist, that's scary, right? A black national anthem to you. <laughs> but we if you. But yeah, yeah, we are one. Okay, chill. Um, <laughs> You definitely probably supported the Confederates. So if that was true, then you understand that it's more nuanced than that, right? So if you look up the black national anthem, why it was comprised, the lyrics, all of it. And genuinely, like with the heart of, oh my goodness, these people were disenfranchised. They were brought here against their will. They were forced to do the, you know, when you can actually look at it through, I don't know, putting yourself in their shoes. Like that's the that's the number one thing is like, if you want to know black history, go through history and imagine that happening to you and your family. 
Like, that's how you understand black history. You don't have to be black. Like, just understand, like, what happened there, that's happening to your family. You'll stop romanticizing stuff. You'll stop downplaying stuff. You'll stop because you'll think about, like, your little kids in shackles. And, like, you'll start thinking about your grandmother getting beaten and killed. Like, you'll start thinking about, oh, my goodness, this actually happened to me and my family. That would be horrific, mm-hmm. right? So when you're able to do that and you then listen to the Black National Anthem and understand why it was made and who made it and all, you'll start to realize like, oh my gosh, that actually, that's a positive thing. That was never asked for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because, because you have white leadership who wants to do the right thing, good intentions, but they're not giving black people an actual voice, you're going to come up with these random solutions that no one asks. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful? Yeah. And And I don't want, if you are struggling with racism or you don't know you are, or you love the Confederate, all that stuff, please hear me. This, I think this is the place for you. I don't want you to stop listening or to feel bad. I'm just letting you know, this is how I process real time. And uh, if you ever want to talk on the side about it, please, please, please. I'm always an open book. Hmm. No, that's helpful. Because I think that I'm, I think that that, in, that distinction to draw is important of we can, you know, we can tokenize a movement or we can tokenize these things, but like probably the most directly harmful is to tokenize people, yeah. which is what we started that's talking started. about. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's the only way that you can implement tokenism in your life. And I think for people like me, it's important to have these conversations because I can really easily like check off all of the big picture boxes, right? But whenever I start like really looking into my life, like whenever I start looking into the everyday kind of areas that I think are smaller, I like I want to be rooting out racism from there too, right? I want to constantly be looking at myself. I think one of the most, which, oh man, we could probably do a whole podcast on this and I don't want to completely get into it right now because we haven't prepared for this, but... We talk about the woke movement a lot and um, and not always in the most positive of lights um, in our household. Um, and it's not because we don't agree with a lot of the stuff that's like being spoken about. But I think that one of the most harmful ideas of being woke is the idea that you're already awake, like that you don't have any more waking up to do. And I think that that's problematic whenever I look at my own heart and whenever I look at myself, because if I'm being honest, like I learn, I'm learning things literally all the time. Um, And so the idea that I have arrived or that I have woken up um, means that I'm not like falling asleep in other areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that term was black. And the woke was the idea of like, we know our history. Yeah. Not like we know the future. Ooh. It's like we know our history. And then it's shifted into this white predominantly oh, white yeah, hipster. Woke. Yeah, like I'm woke. And they're like, oh, it, 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 don't you remember that? Like I remember when I only had black friends and family saying woke. Like I remember that. I remember being on Facebook and they'd be like, woke. I'm like, oh, okay, that's dope. And then felt like overnight it just mm-hmm. shifted to a lot of white allies being like, I'm woke or, you know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? I I don't know. And again, this is not fair because I don't see the whole world. I'm just talking about my timeline. 
You see what I mean? So it could be totally different for your timeline or another listener's timeline or another. Li- so I don't want to sit here and say this is exactly what's happening everywhere. I'm saying in my little circle, in my little social media circle, this is the evolution of woke. Mm. And I think that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to bring it. I'm going to I'm going to get kind of personal real quick with you. If you feel so comfortable um, with me, yeah, with you, <laughs> would you mind like publicly sharing a situation where you felt like you were being made into a like a token friend or a token black person? Oh, man, yeah, it happens happens a lot. Ooh. I'd say a place where it was happening and I didn't realize it was happening was when we first moved to the suburbs. You and me? No. No. We haven't, we haven't moved <laughs> to the suburbs. <laughs> I was just asking for clarification for the people listening. You guys like, wait, what? Like, no, we have not, we have not done that. We have not done that. So for me, I'm talking about me and my family, my immediate family, back in Blue Springs. Mm -hmm. So I was in sixth grade when we moved to the suburbs. And my parents used to say stuff like, man, we're like fish in a fishbowl. They used to say stuff like that. Like, feel like fish in a fishbowl where we there are clear boundaries we have. But people like looking in and, and seeing us and we feel isolated and. It was interesting. It was interesting because sometimes it felt like a positive thing. Sometimes it felt like a negative thing. But long story short, I remember just kind of growing up in that school district and being used as the quote unquote exception to the rule. Right. So as a young black man, I both my parents alive. Um, They're the same parents for my siblings. Right. Which is just tough to find. It is, especially in majority white neighborhoods. It's just tough to find. And when you see that, you could tell that a lot of white people there wanted to use me as an example. Like, this is, like, y'all need to be like Austin. I remember them saying that to me um, or saying that around me to, like, other black kids. Y'all need to be more like Austin. And at the time, I mean, you take it as a compliment. It's like, oh, just like be nice. Like, oh, that's sweet. And then as you start to get older and you start to notice like, oh, they're putting me on the paper for the school district. Like that's more than just being nice. Like there's a lot of nice people that don't get that. You know what I mean? And then and then just started getting like more opportunities to interview and to speak. And you start to realize, man, I think I think it benefits them that I'm black. I think they're getting something from this. And I couldn't figure out what. It's like, what is it? And who knows? Who knows? Some people, it's just internal joy. Mm. They genuinely are like, oh, my gosh. I've, I haven't seen a black person speak eloquently. Like, like we're actually educating them in our existence. Like, that's a hard burden to bear where you're walking evidence, you know, or a walking example that proves their life to be false 
or what they've experienced around black people to be false. That's tough. That's tough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to go into this and give specific details, but I will tell you y'all, that's why I said it's very important to give a voice because when you have a voice, it, it really throws all that away. Mm-hmm. Whenever you don't just want my face, you know what I mean? Or my voice to sound like your voice. That's another thing. I'll, I'm not talking about a Candace Owens situation where you you give her all the funding, all the microphones, all the all the resources she needs to sound like you. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who is giving a black experience that is contrary to what you believe. You might not even see it. You might even disagree, but you're still you still want to support and love and and, and give them an opportunity and learn from them. That's what I'm referring to. So, oof. Did I answer the question? I think I'm ranting. No, you're not. I think that was really helpful. And I think that that's one specific area. Like we talk about, we talk about tokenism in, among adults, but I think it's important to remember that we do it to kids too. And, um, and yeah, that, I feel like that could definitely be really damaging to a child. Um, and definitely a way that maybe we're unknowingly pitting black people against each other of like, this is the right way to be. This is the right way to act. This is the right way to look. Um, and then like, what does that do to the community? Um, I would say just like kind of speaking to other uh, to people listening to this podcast If you're looking at your life right now and thinking, oh man, like, am I treating this person as a token? The answer to what you do next, and Austin, this is like part of my next question too. I don't think the answer of what you do next is to walk away from that friendship or to walk away from that person. Um, But just like what you just said is to start giving that person a voice to start giving that friend a voice in your life. Um, I think that if our answer to being afraid of tokenizing someone is to just like leave is to just walk away. Um, I think that's just kind of giving into the same thing that we were doing in the first place is we're treating that person as if they're not like they're, they're only a tool to us um, instead of a person. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, Austin, but I've definitely had people say to me about our family, and I'm sure that they probably feel a little bit more comfortable saying it to me than saying it to you, um, is I don't ever want to treat your family. It's not these exact words, but close. Like I don't want to ever treat your family different because you're an interracial family or because your husband is black or because your kids are biracial. Um, and that sometimes becomes a reason like, because they're scared of coming across as if they're tokenizing us, then they just kind of don't. (laughs) And that's not the answer either. It's kind of like color. It's it's like, I don't want to be racist and judge you off of your color. So I'm just going to ignore your color. I'm just going to ignore the difference because I don't want to abuse it. So if I ignore it, you can't abuse what you're ignoring. And there's good intentions there. But the problem is, one, you got to understand it's not the actual thing. It's your crusty heart. Mm. That's 
in odds with God that needs to get right with God. But it's also too the ability to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. You cannot claim that you want, oh, I need, you know, a, a black voice in my life to really help me and humble me and t- to help teach me about the experience and understanding and I'm going to grow empathy and love and da, da, da. And then say, oh, well, I don't want to look, you know, like a token and then cut that. You can't genuinely want those things and then just cut it. Right. That means you didn't genuinely want it. And I would I would argue most of you probably shouldn't want that naturally because of how you grew up. It would be kind of weird. I would love it, but it'd be kind of weird if you just started craving that out of nowhere. It's probably going to start for a lot of you without wanting to do it. It's going to start with a lot more lifting than like designing and like the fun stuff mm-hmm. and the planning is going to, it's going to be like, boom, straight to work. And then that'll help teach you and grow. It's kind of like the idea, you know, <laughs> parents used to take kids, you know, go do volunteer work. You, sometimes you don't sit down and do a lesson with Johnny and tell him this is the history of this and this is why we do this and that. Sometimes you say, go pick up those bricks <laughs> and you have them do the actual labor. And they're like, oh my goodness, this is so tough. And they're like, yeah. And then you start teaching them. And they're like, oh, oh man, I get it now. Like some of y'all, that's your journey. That's going to be your journey. It's going to be lifting first and then uh, that education second. But I just want to encourage y'all and say, what Lauren said, please don't do that. Please don't just walk away. You, when we have podcasts, when we have things that we listen to and watch, it is so good because our brain needs to process. Mm. Like before we act, like the way our brain works, signals have to fire through our body. Like me opening my mouth right now and talking, in milliseconds, there are literally electromagnetic like like there are literally ripples waves going through my body signaling from my brain hey your mouth move like this your tongue move like this your teeth move like everything is so fast and so why would i say that to you it's like because our brains are so powerful we do need to think we do need to process we do need to listen we do this is good work we just should never make it the finish line that's when people get in trouble oh i listened to my podcast this week i'm done Mm. oh yep Uh uh-huh i read that devotional i'm good right we see james talk about that in the scriptures just faith without works is dead and that's what he's talking about it's like that should never be the finish line learning should never be the finish line application has to be present and so we're just going to encourage y'all to uh, apply what you've learned today and every week. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's going to look different. It's going to be different speeds, different times. But let your heart's desire be, I want to learn and I also want to apply. I want to learn and I want to apply. There's something that happened the other week or maybe it was a month ago. I had knowledge for it and I did not apply my knowledge. And I was kicking myself like, oh, I wish I can get that moment back. But you know what I started doing? It sounds weird. I started rehearsing that moment again. <laughs> So if a moment like that happened, if someone said something, it's like, Austin, how can you genuinely respond to love? Mm. And I started rehearsing. Like, literally, I had rehearsal. (laughs) Played it back in my head, said the lines out loud. Was that loving? Was that kind? Was that truthful? Was that justice? Was that? I started actually grilling myself. How would I feel if I was him? And I heard that coming. Okay. Mm. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Boom. I was actually working it out, applying it. So now that I have a template in my head for that situation, 
I didn't just let it go by me. Oh, I just I'm terrible. I don't I don't practice what I preach and then start making it all about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Or say, no, I messed up. I did it wrong. And I'm not going to do that again. Let me practice. Mm-hmm. Just like missing a free throw. You miss your shot. Don't beat yourself up and never shoot the basketball again. <laughs> Get your butt in the gym and practice. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to drain that sucker and it's going to feel so good. Man, that's really helpful. If you guys um, have any more questions about this subject or want to kind of continue the conversation even more, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, Again, we're on social media. On Instagram is probably the best way to find us. I'm Lauren, two underscores, Groves, and Austin is Groves8070. I'm off Instagram right now, so maybe reach out to Austin. (laughs) I just realized as I was saying that, you know, habit. Um... But I'll be back eventually, so I'll get to it if you reach out to me uh, via Instagram. Um, man, I, I'm i really thankful that you guys come back and that you're doing this conversation with us. We realize that right now, um, and, and we're thankful, at least while we're recording this, at this moment in history, these conversations aren't ones that we're having everywhere in our social media feeds. They're not things that we're, you know, talking about because it's a big moment in history in this moment right now. Um, But again, it's going to become that. And so if you're listening, we recognize that it's because, um, because you want to, you want to be rehearsed for those conversations. You want to know what you're going to say when we get there. Um, And that The other reason is that there are people living and experiencing racism every single day. Um, And and I think that it's important that we we know we don't we might get a break from the conversation. But Austin, you don't um, and other people don't. So thank you again for coming back. Um, We are super thankful for you guys. I'm going to have some information on how to get on our email list in the outro. But Until next week, we will chat with you again soon. Peace. Thank you guys so much for listening to Grace and Race, where we talk about race in light of God's grace. We are so thankful for you coming back every single week, and we would love it if you would join our email list. All you have to do is go to our website, laurengroves.me. And then at the top of the page, there will be a tab that says, join our list. Click that, enter your email, and you're good to go. This is where you can receive all of the news and even get information that is only for our list. We would love to have you as part of this community. Hope to chat with you there.